welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. All right. <laughs> um, so, Dad, yeah. uh, we are in 2020. It's been, you know, quite the year, quite the experience. Um, I kind of want to just ask you, like, what's next for us as a church? Where are we going? Um, when is church going to open up? Like, you know, the question that everybody is asking, yeah. what do you feel, you know, as, as the lead pastor, um, what do you feel is next for us and, and what can, what can we take as hope and uh, as peace for us in this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad, I'm glad to talk about that and, and thankful to talk about that. You know, I really think that one of the most important things that God has shown me over these last eight months is that the church is meant to open our arms wider mm. to we have focused on the first few weeks and couple months for me uh, during the pandemic was focused on talking about how the separation of church and state and how churches should have the right to decide whether they're going to open or not. And it shouldn't be up to the government. And I believe that it shouldn't be up to the government. I do believe that God created the church to be a, a, a supernatural spiritual family that is not to be governed by anything except God, that, that Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is our government, and the increase of his government will be on his shoulders and there will be no end to the increase of his government. So, but, and having said all that, I still believe that, but I also have gotten a, a fresh perspective that we got so focused on churches opening up their doors that we failed to really see what God was trying to get us to do was to have churches open up our arms, mm. to have doors wide open, but not to have arms wide open. Like we weren't inclusive, as inclusive as we needed to be. I guess to answer your question, I can get to the question more quickly, but it's so important that I get this across to people yeah. is that we're, we've been given an opportunity and we've been given a gift and maybe you, I sound like a broken record in saying that, but I'm completely convinced that we've been given an opportunity to reimagine what new Testament Christianity should look like in 2020 and beyond. And I think that we have followed old models of Christianity that haven't necessarily been, um, because the Bible says this is the model, but it's because we got, we got used to a certain way of thinking and a certain way of, of reaching people and a certain way of a certain expectation that we had that, that the whole goal was to get people into a church building. And God is trying to look, God says, God has two words. One of God's words is come. And one of God's words is go. And I believe God's word to the to the unbeliever, to the person who has never heard the gospel, I believe his word to you is come. Come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden. Come to right, me, all right. that are burdened. Come to me and find rest for your soul. Come and receive the waters of salvation, the rivers of life. His word to you is come. His word to me before I was saved was come, come home, right. come to your family, come to the, come home to the father, come home to Christianity, come home to the cross, come home to Jesus, open the door of your heart and, and come home. And that's God's word to us before we get saved. But after we get saved, 
God's word shifts from come to go. And he tells his disciples first, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden. And then he says to the disciples, now go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them and and make disciples of all nations. And so I found that we as a church were more focused on people coming just to church rather than and I'm not not saying that we weren't doing good, but we can do so much better. Yeah, we weren't we were bringing we were inviting people to come to church, but we need to bring people and invite people to come to Jesus. And then we need to equip people and empower them to go and to fulfill their God given purpose. That's why I believe what God is saying to the church is reimagine what church can be in a way that can really reach more people, Mm. that more people can come into God's family, more people can come into God's church, and more people can be equipped and empowered to go into all the world and make disciples. So we can come and go, but we have to like readjust and reprioritize our lives and reprioritize what matters. So Acts 5.42 has become the now word of God for me and for our church and for our ministry. And I'm telling this and teaching this to other pastors and leaders are asking me, what do we do? What should the church look like? And this is what I believe the church should look like. It said in Acts 5:42, every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ. And so there was this big uh, persecution that came to the church in Acts chapter five. And when they were persecuted, they were told not to preach in Jesus name anymore, but they went ahead and did it anyway. And then they were beaten for preaching the gospel uh, after they were told not to in Acts chapter four and Acts chapter five. And then it says in verse, I think, 41, they considered um, they considered themselves honored that they suffered Mm. for Jesus sake. If you go back to Acts chapter five, it says they went from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer for his name and suffer shame for his name. Like they literally were mistreated because they preached the gospel. And then it says, even though they were treated in this way, and even though they suffered in this way, it says every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And I believe this is the model of Christianity that God has called us to. We are coming back to the temple. And we are going to assemble at the temple, but we are going to continue every day from house to house as well in the temple and from house to house. We became really good at assembling in the temple, but we did not do a good job at assembling from house to house. Guess what? God was like, okay, you don't want to assemble from house to house. I'm going to make you assemble from house to house. In fact, that's going to be the only way that you can assemble from house to house. And God didn't send the, the virus, but God bent the virus. (laughs) <laughs> the enemy sent it. God bent it. If you haven't heard, if you haven't learned anything from me all these years, it's this. What the enemy sends to defeat you, God bends to complete you. Yeah. And so God has called the church to be this kind of church that we are in the temple and from house to house. And we keep pr- teaching and preaching. We preach to the sinner about the goodness and the love of God. And we teach the saint 
and we teach the believer how to grow in grace and grow in their relationship with God and in their community. And you know what, gang? We're a community right now. We're in the temple, we're house to house, but we're still a community, we're still connected, and we need to stay connected in these ways. Yeah. This is the model, and this is what God's saying to me as the pastor of this church, and this is what God's saying to me as a Christian, that this is the model of Christianity that we missed, and now we get an opportunity to do it like this. So I believe that all over the world, people can have church from house to house, teaching and preaching about Jesus and stay connected to their church family right. all at the same time. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. That's one. <laughs> right, yeah, that's one way. One yeah, that's the part first the thing answer. that got, yeah, that's the first part of the answer. Exactly. No, but I think what well, I, th I think I would like to point out first and foremost, that obviously you care about the church. Uh, Absolutely. If you can't, if you guys can't tell, you know, you're, you're passionate and you care about the church. You're not just taking it as like, well, you know, we'll see what happens and, yeah. you know, like, let's figure it out guys. Like, I think that is worth uh, noting and mentioning that, you know, we're, and I, and I'm not trying to just like boost your ego for ego's sake, but I'm trying to, I do think that this is a point we should all catch as, as viewers and as members uh, of the church right now is that like we're in a church body that um, is going to adapt, yeah. you know, to to the opposition, adapt to the circumstance, adapt to the the card that's dealt, right. um, which which is super inconvenient. And we would have never asked for this. We would have never thought something like this would happen to this extent. But just the fact that you can sit here and and uh, take that and be like, okay, well this is how we're going to apply the mission right. still, Yeah, you know? And, and I good. think it's massive because it's not just, this isn't something that the ch only the church pastors can solve and can, uh, they're the only ones that can act out of this. Like this is the time for me, the church members, anybody to step up as well. Yeah, and that's to right. be the ones, to be the voice, you know, that, it, that is inviting, that is encouraging, that is praying, that is prophesying, um, you know? And so I think that's also worth mentioning as well, that like, that's just who we are as life changers, that we have really is, we've evolved, you know, that's um, right. We're, and, and evolving, evolving hundred yeah. percent. And this is just proof of it. And so I think it's just cool for us to pinpoint. We've, we've talked about these things before, but I think in a practical setting in terms of, you know, me as a church member, how can I take this? How can I move on from this, move forward from this? Well, and can I, think, I, I add to that? Yeah, that's such a great uh, perspective on that. And, you know, everything in life that works is tested. Everything in life that, ha that is trusted is first tested. You can't be trusted until you're first tested. Mm. The chair that you're sitting on right now couldn't be trusted until it was first tested. You don't think you're the first person that sat in that chair, do you? Like it was tested before they sold it. It was tested before they put it in the store. It was tested before it got to your home, unless right. you built it yourself, which is which you tested it before you sat in it. Right. You tested it before you had somebody else sit in it. And it, everything is tested in life. And and we go through what, what they take these magnificent cars that have, that are made, the, the ones that are the most expensive and well, all cars are treated in this way, but the more expensive ones are, are even further tested and put through so much stress and put through so much testing that, that goes beyond what normal driving of the vehicle will ever require. And I think sometimes we, when something happens like this pandemic, 
we're not looking for the, the we're not we're not looking for the right things. Like I look at it as a stress test. Mm. When stress hits you, it tests you so that it reveals where the cracks are. It reveals where the adjustments need to be made. And instead of looking at life like we got to open the church, we got now look, we got to open people's businesses and we got to open schools and we got to open places and and do and do everything we can in the safest way possible. And we do need to open churches back up in, in a safe way as well. But I, I believe that some churches, in, from my perspective, because I was part of I was in this mindset was it's so important that we get the doors open and we didn't fix the things that the stress revealed were the cracks in what we needed to make better in the church. And let me tell you three things that we need to make better in the mm -hmm. church. Number one, we need to be better at reaching the lost. Yeah, that we haven't been good. We've been good at inviting people to events, but not good at introducing people to the real Jesus. So I think that the first thing is our focus wasn't on souls as much as I speak for myself. I can't speak for other pastors. I, I wanted to get people saved, but during the pandemic, I've not missed one Sunday or Wednesday of inviting people to salvation and far more people are getting saved yeah. than in the last eight months than did in the last eight years of my, you know, of, of my journey and my leadership. I don't, I'm not, I'm not proud of the fact of the eight years that I didn't do it as much, but I'm thankful that God gave me an opportunity to adjust. Yeah. And so number one, we got to reprioritize and go after souls. Number two, we have to take care of the hurting and the suffering better. We have to take care of the poor better. We have to take care of those that are less fortunate better. We have to take care of the people that are mar have been marginalized. We have to take better care of them. We have to treat people with equality. We have to address the inequality issues that we've had in a country and in the world and not gloss over those. You can see that God has prevented us from glossing over the things that we need to address yeah. because we keep coming around the same mountain. And at some point, we're going to have to deal with the mountain and not just circle it over and over again. The Bible says they kept circling the mountain for 40 years and they ended up dying in the wilderness because they just kept going around the mountain, the same old mountain every time, and they never made progress. And I believe the church is called to make progress by reprioritizing around winning souls to Jesus, around caring for the hurting and the suffering, around creating community that is not limited to four walls. It includes the four walls of the church, but it's not limited to the four walls of the church. It includes your home. God's been trying to get his presence in your home. God's been trying to get his presence in our homes. God's been trying to get his presence in our families. God's been trying to get our churches in the home rather than just getting homes into the church. And now the church is getting into homes and we're, we're not, we shouldn't be in a hurry to change that. We should be in a hurry to maintain the progress that we've made yeah. and make even more progress from there. So, so winning souls and focusing on the hurting and reaching the poor and the suffering. And number three, building community, which is what God is interested in is building, building people and building community. And we have a closer community now over the last eight months as a church family globally and locally than we ever have before. Why would we, why, why wouldn't we see 
that God turns something bad into something good and we should build upon that. Yeah. And that's what we're doing at Life Changers Church. And we're also at the same time being mindful that this is a virus that has been mysterious. It's been hard to pinpoint. It's been hard to um, really understand it. There's the science of it is is a joke because it's changed so much. It's not because anybody is deliberately trying to withhold information. Maybe they are. I don't know. I'm not accusing anybody. But there's been no clarity on this disease because it's thought to be man-made. The virus is thought to be man-made. Therefore, it doesn't react the same way that the common flu does or other things. And we have to we have to protect the, the vulnerable yeah. in our communities while at the same time find ways to gather together still both in the temple and from house to house. We gathered once in November um, for the first time in a while, and it was a beautiful time. And we're gathering again in December. We'll be announcing the date tomorrow and we'll gather, we'll gather again take, to take communion. God spoke to me to gather the people when you gather to take communion to gather around the body of Christ, to gather around the body and the blood, the Eucharist, and all about the body of Christ and experiencing his presence together is what we're going to do. And so we'll yeah. be letting you know more about that. But these are the things that we can't um, overlook and we can't forget and we can't be um, small thinking about. We got to enlarge our thinking and let God use us to make a greater impact yeah. and everybody watching that you would be a, that you would see yourself as one of the leaders in the world as a christian you have the hope and the answer to all that ails mankind you have jesus christ as your savior and lord you have the most important healer the greatest source of happiness you have the the greatest source of peace and the greatest source of of community and and the greatest source of answering the problems of loneliness and suffering and it's all in jesus and you you're carrying him god's greatest calling for all of us is that we carry his presence yeah. everywhere we go and deposit his presence in the lives of the people that we come in contact with for sure and that's what we're doing as a church that's awesome it's great and i think that is more than enough encouragement for anyone listening to to know like, okay, we're on the right track and that we can get behind this vision. We can get behind this, you know, um, and trust that God is leading us and, you know, we are going to get to the other side of this, you know, and we're going to make impact up until like, we're going to continue to make impacts even while we're getting to the other side. And so I just think that's huge. And so there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. And and I think, uh, since we're talking about you know, the, the leaders of the church, like people, the members of the church being the leaders to their communities and That's to, right. to this, their surrounding. We want, um, I want people to see themselves that way because I, I don't think that we were, did a great job at helping them to see that. And that's what we're fixing. And that's why this is such a opportunity that we have taken advantage of. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because, I mean, you've been doing church for a long time. Um, not that you're old or anything, very old, but, uh, you've been doing this for a while and you have a lot of experience, but I feel like, and, and we, we've chatted about it, you know, uh, us as a family, we've chatted about it and we've seen it, but 
you've made a lot of changes just in you personally and your approach uh, mentally, um, but also practically in terms of structure, strategy, uh, the church in terms of an organization and how we're going to respond to, you know, almost like how businesses have shut down in our, in our world, like church, if you look at church as a business and you being a business owner, you know, like you've had to make decisions. You've had to be flexible, you know, you've evolved and adjust and evolve as a leader. You've evolved and you're evolving. Um, I feel like, uh, there's a lot that you've learned in this season that like if every single person could apply to their practical lives, their personal lives, like in terms of flexibility and evolving and changing and taking what's being thrown at you and, you know, and how God can, he doesn't send the virus, but he can bend, or he doesn't send a situation to you, but he can bend a situation. Absolutely. What would you say that you've learned through this process that could help, uh, people and us, like not people and us, like we are people. I am a person. I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying me like, too. I'm a people. What, what would you say that you've learned that could help us, uh, in our practical lives to be flexible because change is hard, Yeah. you know? Um, so well, I think the change that God is bringing is easy. Mm. And here's why, because the, when I've studied the Bible and I've, I've studied it for 30 years, more than 30 years now. And here's what I've found that God does things with simplicity, but man has a nature and a tendency to complicate things. Mm. And whenever we see man trying to assume a position that God only can assume. In other words, man tries to um, trust himself rather than God. Man tries to solve things his way rather than God's way. Man tries to handle their money their way rather than God's way. They try to handle relationships. We try to handle relationships our way rather than God's way. We always mess it up. Mm. When we do things our way, we mess it up. Jesus said, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And the word kingdom means God's way of doing things is one of the definitions for the kingdom of God is not a place. It's a system. It's a way of doing things. Heaven is a place, but the kingdom of God is a system. It's God's way of doing things. And God's way is always the simplest way. God's way is never the hard way. God's way is the simple way. I don't mean that it's easy all the time, but it's simple. Mm. And so when man in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, whenever God gave man something, God gave man a garden. He complicated it and messed it up, added things to it that God didn't say. When God gave man um, Jesus, he sent Jesus to mankind. So in the Old Testament, he gave man a garden. And in the New Testament, he gave man his son. And what happens is we see in the book of Acts, after Jesus rises from the dead and goes to heaven, the, the leaders of the church started saying, well, we got to pass this rule and we got to have this rule and we got to do this and no one can do this and people need to stop doing this and people need to wake up to this and people need to do this, this and this. And they made it so hard that as you study the book of Acts, we find man complicating the simplicity of the gospel and somehow God intervenes. And when God intervenes, he always makes things more simple. And so I believe the thing I've learned the most, more than anything, is that God wants us to strip away and he is stripping away from us and we're stripping away from ourselves 
a complicated version of Christianity and a complicated version of living. And we are awakening to the simple version of living, um, the simple version of Christianity, the simplicity, not simple in that it's uh, it's below or mediocre or below average, but simple in the in the fact that it's available to everybody and it's easy to understand and it's and it's stripped away from all the complications that religion tries to add to it. The Bible calls it in Second Corinthians, chapter 11, verse three. Paul says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. Mm. He calls it simplicity and purity. And who is always behind complicating it? The Bible says that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from what the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. What God is trying to do is strip away the complicated and religious re religious behaviors of man trying to put religious obligation on people. And he's trying to strip it away and awaken the simplicity and purity, the simplicity of winning souls, the simplicity of reaching, hurting people, the simplicity of community, the simplicity of trusting in grace alone. By grace are we saved through faith. The simplicity of the answer to every person's problem is love and kindness and prayer. These are the simple things. It's not complicated. You 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 honor God. You walk in this love relationship with him because he loved you first. You love your neighbor because you love yourself. You love yourself because God loves you and you finally realize that. So when you understand God's love, then you love yourself, then you love your neighbor. And what happens is that starts spreading. And that may sound simple because it is. It may sound simple because God knew we would try to complicate it. And God, every time man complicates things with religion, God simplifies things. So in Acts chapter 15, they tried to complicate it. They tried to put all these rules on the believers and they finally just gave up and said, you know what? Let's just forget all that extra stuff and just remember the poor and remember to preach the gospel and remember to abstain from idolatry. Like they just stripped everything when they finally realized how complicated they were making things. So the long answer to your question is simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. The gospel is simple. The message is simple. The method is simple. It's sharing. It's caring. It's praying. It's obeying. It's trusting. It's letting go. It's letting God change us, letting God move us in the direction of kindness, move us in the direction of compassion, mm. move us in the direction of equality, move us in the direction of simplicity. And it's not really more than that. It's really <laughs> what it is. <laughs> no, it's good. I love it. And uh, I think I think that's awesome. And we've you've been chatting about simplicity for quite the time. Um, and so about time we get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it kind of reminds, cause when you were saying that like God loves us and therefore we can love ourselves. And then when we love ourselves, we can love others. Kind of reminds me of when you were 
chatting a couple a while ago now about like emotions um, and uh, bitterness yeah. and you know conflict conflict and relational uh, issues and things like that and I feel like that's one of the biggest areas where we get stuck you know our pride kicks in you know in relationships and even as a family even you know me and you or you know <laughs> it's like our family members just over the years you know we'll get in these moments where we have these these moments of of conflict and it's so hard to just love you know that yeah. person that you're in an argument about right and uh and i just you know like if if we all could just you know have that simple understanding of Hey, like, let's just go back to, you know, where it all began. Like That's God, right. God loves us. It's, yes. it's all good. Um, I need to love myself right now. Not, not, I don't need to be afraid of what I look like or, you know, how I sound right now. Like I, like God loves me and that's enough. So I'm okay. And right. now I can love this person. Yeah. So good. And then the issue dissolves and becomes way easier to deal with, you know, and because you go back to the simple root. Yeah. You know, Paul, Paul said something really powerful in Romans chapter 11. He said, if the root is holy, all the branches will be. And I witnessed Christianity over 30 years. The number one problem with church and Christianity and religion is that Christianity has become a caretaker for the branches of the tree when the branches will take care of themselves, mm. the Bible says. If the root is holy, then the branches will be too. And so we don't need to give any attention. And I know this might sound extreme, but we don't need to give any attention to the branches because the branches are the byproduct of the root. And the branches take on the nature of the root. So if the root is holy, then all the branches will be. And in other words, that simplifies things so that we don't have to fix our relationship branch, fix our financial branch, fix our health branch, fix our, you know, cussing like a sailor branch. We don't need to fix all the branches if we just go to the root yeah. and make sure the root is love. He says, if the root is holy, the branches will be too. He's not specifically talking about holiness, but he's using it as an example of roots and fruits. That when your root is love, your fruit is love. When you go back and like you just were saying in family and in conflict resolution, when you simply strip away the ego and strip away the needing to prove myself, strip away the needing to be right, strip away the, the needing to feel justified in what I'm saying or get even with somebody, when we strip all that away and get back to, wait, God loves me, that's all I need, and now I can love you, and now I can let go of this thing that I'm trying to control, and I can let go of this emotion that is trying to control me mm. and dis and deceive me from the simplicity of love. If the root is love, the fruits can, the branches are going to take care of themselves when the root is love. And the Bible says we're rooted and grounded in love. And when you're rooted and grounded in love, it says that's when Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. All of the good fruit flows out of the root being taken care of, which is love. That's really good. The root is love. And I love, yeah, it's so good. Um, but I love how you said letting go of the things you can't control. Yeah. And I think 
sometimes we forget or we get mixed, we get confused with things that we can control with things that we can control. And we try to control the things we can't like ignoring the things that we can. Yeah. Um, and so true. And so, you know, we're talking about relationships and everything like that, but on a grander scheme in a more generic sense of like everyday life, one thing that I feel I wanted to ask you about if you're okay with yeah. is comfort, because I feel like we, in the, in the idea of like, I can't, I'm trying to control things that I can't like, or I can't control, you know, what's going on with me. Like, I feel like, you know, we just have human tendency to get comfortable with where we're at and we want to be somewhere, but we're stuck here. Um, and I don't know if this is making sense, but, um, I feel like, uh, I would want to know how you attack comfort, um, when it comes to growth, because I feel like comfort is the enemy of growth. Um, and like, you know, what are the things that we can control when it comes to just being complacent? Yeah. Um, and which is actually limiting us from going forward it, spiritually, emotionally, physically, um, in our careers, uh, in our life, if we feel like we've been dealt a certain deck of cards and, or a hand of cards that we, you know, has limited us in a certain place. How do we, you know, fight that comfort? How do we attack and confront oh, that's that good. comfort? I think, um, well, there's several directions we can go, but the first place that comes to my mind is when Paul says, I've learned the secret of being without, and I've learned the secret of having an abundance, and I've learned the secret of having um, uh, a little. And the secret is contentment in Christ, that he learned to be content. So I think that contentment is the key to uh, building your life, is that we have to be able to balance the concept of being content, yet realizing that God's called us to fulfill his purpose for our lives. And God's called us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God's called us to be conformed to his image. And God's called us to be the best version of ourselves. Right. So how do we, how do we balance that? We have to, we have to not get our value from our transformation. We have to get our value from our worth. Mm. Our worth is that Jesus would value us so much that he would die for us when we, there was no guarantee that we would ever get saved. There was no guarantee that we would surrender to him. So we have worth because he was willing to pay. It's his, he proves our worth by being willing to pay for us with his own blood. And so when we find contentment in our worth, cultivate that sense of worth, what ends up happening in my view, in my experience is we learn to be content with who we are, but we're able to then have a, a very non-judgmental approach to our weaknesses mm. because we don't, we don't, we're not mixing up our strengths and our weaknesses. We realize our worth is in Christ. Our value is, is in him. And therefore we can take a, we can critique ourselves without crumbling. Mm. And we can see that there's more that God has for us. There's more uh, dreams that he wants to bring to pass in your life. He, there's more uh, vision that he wants to bring to pass. There's more people that he wants you to help. There's yeah. more areas of your life that he wants you to take the ground of and take territory. And so when you learn your worth, you learn to be content with what you have, but you don't settle for what you have mm. because God wants more for you yeah. than what you want for yourself. So be content with what you have, be thankful for what, with what you have, 
but always desire for all that God has for you. And that breaks me out of that comfort zone of wanting to settle is that if I settle, I'd be happy, but I can't be a blessing to others. And so I'm not going to settle because it's kind of like when people say, um, why would you ever want to have more in your life? Even though that's not what you're talking about, it's a good example. Why would you want more in your life? Isn't it selfish to want more? No, it's selfish to just want enough for yourself. Think about it. If you only want enough for yourself, you're only thinking about yourself. And so that's where I'm content to have enough for myself, but I'm not satisfied with that because I can't help anybody else if I only have enough for myself. And God wants me to have enough time to help others, enough money to help others, enough wisdom to help others, not just enough for myself, but enough to be a blessing to others as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's why we need the church. That's That's why why we we got to be connected to the church, be fed, equipped, and then to pour out and to release. Uh, So I think that's brilliant. Thank you. And I want to close with a couple verses that I, I wanted to make sure people hear. And that's to go with that community is look at what is the simplicity is strip it down to what it was to its simplest form. Acts 2, 42, when they got saved, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer and fear came upon every soul. That means that awe, not fear in a negative sense, but awe. everybody kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs took place through the apostles. But notice they were devoted to the simple things, the apostles teaching the word of God, fellowship, community, breaking bread, taking our meals together and taking communion, breaking bread, taking communion and prayer. And then it says in verse 46, so continually day after day with one accord, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. This is the model, the simple stripped down the model so that we don't get things complicated. And that we focus on the things that cause people to be saved. Like it says here, the Lord added to their church daily. Those who were being saved. Why? Because the church was devoted to the simple things. They didn't complicate it. They weren't self-righteous. They weren't judgmental. They weren't criticizing people. They didn't expect people to be perfect overnight. They gave people grace and God added to their number and added those that were being, nobody wants to be saved and part of a family that's negative and critical and judgmental and mean. We want to be saved and added to a church family that's gracious and kind, full of goodness and full of understanding and full of room to fail and room to get up when you fail, room to get up when you fall. That's what I believe God wants for all of us. That's what I believe the church should be, a place that gives people room and gives people space for grace and keeps things simple, gathers in whatever form has been given to us. We've been given a way to gather with technology that we should not take for granted. We should stay connected. And when we do gather in person, we should come. And if we don't feel safe, then we should stay home until we do. And we should have faith and wisdom, faith and wisdom, faith and wisdom, and follow the peace of God. And before we go, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, why not pray with us right now? Why not join our family? 
while Joseph is my spiritual son, my physical son and spiritual son, also my he's my friend. He's not just my family because he's my son. He's my family because we choose yeah. to grow together. And we want you a part of this family. And we want you a part of the family of God and our spiritual family as well. Would you pray with me if you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Just pray this out loud. Just say, Heavenly Father. That's it. Just right where you're praying, right where you're watching. Just say, Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Make me a part of your family. From this moment forward, just pray this, Lord, from this moment forward, I'm yours and you're mine in Jesus name. You know, if you prayed that prayer, it's so simple. John 3:16. it's so simple. Yeah. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed that powerful message. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast for more amazing messages like what you just heard. You can also search for Gregory Dickow on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for tons of great content throughout the week.